Today's scripture reading will be from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verses 5 through 18. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 through 18. I think that's what I said. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministrations of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministrations of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Amen. Is that spirit? And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Thirteen, our children can go to their children's church. And just want you to also keep uh, Kathy Chang and her dear mom in prayer as her dad passed away uh, this past week. And... Um, I know Pastor Carmine will be going down to the funeral this week or the following? This week, the funeral will be on Thursday. So pray for Kathy. She's been a longtime member of our church, um, but she's had a lot of physical problems herself. So she doesn't really come very often, but she's a very important member of our church. And her mom and dad have been here with us, worshiping with us many times. And so, um, and even earlier this year, Pastor Carmine went down, I know, with, with a group. I know Hillary was there, Yen, and Yen, to try and give the gospel to them. So they did hear the gospel and pray for, for uh, God's truth to continue to go out to uh, Kathy's family, her brother, Ben, and uh, her, her dear mom. Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to just read one verse this morning as we have this message. I'm entitling The Transforming Power of God's Kingdom as we continue our series in the parables of Jesus Christ. I've never preached, just to let you know, I'm studying and preaching things that I've never preached exactly this way before, never preached a whole sermon just on, I didn't think I could or would preach a whole sermon just on this one parable because it's just one verse of scripture. 
but it's very deep and really touched my heart. I hope it will be a blessing to you today. Let's read together Matthew 13, verse 33. Another parable spake he unto them, The kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till the whole was leavened. So these two parables, this parable of the leaven, and the one that goes right before it, the parable of the mustard seed, are put together because generally they have a similar main thought to them. And that is that God's kingdom grows from insignificance to magnificence. God takes what is small and it becomes great. And so these parables encourage us not to let size hypnotize us because when it comes to churches, spiritual things, the power of this world, the world uses the size of things to hypnotize people, but size doesn't make anything true in the, in the, in the end. Truth is truth. God takes small things and uses them for great things. And I love this verse in 1 Samuel chapter 14 when Jonathan and his armor bearer were going to fight the Philistines. And Jonathan said, it may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And so God can use many or few to do a great work. And it may be, he said, that the Lord will work for us. And that's a good prayer for us here in New York City. It may be that the Lord will do a mighty work even in this generation and at this time in Greenwich Village. God uses great things. As somebody said earlier, little is much when God is in it. The prophet said, don't despise the day of small things. God takes Things that seem so small and grow something great. The mustard seed and then the leaven in the meal. And so we see from these parables that God's kingdom grows. God's kingdom grows from obscurity and insignificant beginnings to something great at the end that will abide for eternity. God uses small things, doesn't he? He uses one small stone of that little boy David to topple the great giant Goliath. God used that little boy's lunch to feed a great multitude through the hands of Jesus Christ. God took the few little mites of that poor widow. You know that story. You know these stories, the two mites. And Jesus said it was a greater amount than all of, of what the rich people even gave together. And God says that a little faith, even the grain of a mustard seed, can move mountains. So, don't despise the day of small things. And one other thing about these two parables, though. Do you know what the difference is in them? The difference between, I mean, why are there two parables and why didn't he just give one? There's a difference. There are differences in them. A key difference I believe from the parable of the mustard seed to the parable of the leaven and the meal is this, that the mustard seed parable, it's the mustard seed itself that grows into something great. So that parable emphasizes 
external growth, the external growth of the kingdom. The parable of the leaven, the leaven doesn't grow. The leaven causes the growth. And it speaks of more of an internal transformation of the meal. The leaven brings about an internal growth, an internal transformation. And that's what we're speaking about today in this message. The transforming power of God's kingdom. That's the message today. Let's pray. So now, Lord, take this moment and transform us. This is your desire in your kingdom that we as your people are transformed into Jesus Christ. Lord, this is our desire. I know this is our longing as your children, that we would be like Jesus. And Lord, I believe that's what you're driving at in this parable of the leaven in the meal. May we be fully transformed till the whole was leavened. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the difference is, the parable of the mustard seed, the seed itself grows. The leaven causes the growth, an internal growth of transformation. And there's no doubt if you're saved, who do you want to be like? <laughs> we want to be like Christ. Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, was the perfect man and is the perfect man to this day, fully controlled by the Holy Spirit in perfect fellowship with his heavenly Father. We want to be like Jesus, fully dependent on the Father's power. I, I believe there's a good summary of a surrendered life. The life of Jesus Christ is the ultimate life of surrender. Fully dependent on the Father's power. Fully devoted upon giving the Father pleasure, doing what is pleasing to God, and fully dedicated to live out the Father's purposes. That's the life conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. May God so transform us today into his image. So as we look at this passage, I want us to see three truths about the transforming power of God's kingdom from this passage. And I'm going to ask you to keep an open mind and heart as I speak from this parable of the leaven. And so I want us to look at three things. The first thing is this. I want us to see the surprising metaphors that the Lord himself uses in this parable of the leaven in the meal. Because more than any other parable, this parable evokes surprise. The Lord uses metaphors, symbols, that kind of jar our thinking and actually may go against our normal way of thinking about things. What do I mean? Well, for example, the leaven. The leaven surprises us that he would say the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven. Because in the scripture, leaven often has such a negative meaning to it. Many of the sacrifices, God even said, do not offer these sacrifices with leaven. We know during the Passover, they were to cleanse their house of the leaven. And so as Jesus uses this metaphor of leaven to speak of his kingdom, it's shocking to us. So shocking that many people believe that Jesus is even talking about the evil growth of the kingdom on earth. I... I wrestled with this for years, and I mentioned it last week. 
And if you're thinking along that line, and, and you don't agree with my general interpretation of the parable as I'm preaching it today, just put aside your interpretation for a while, because I realize there are different... There's, this is, there are probably more disagreement on this parable than any of the other parables. Because leaven is so often associated with evil. And good Bible commentators, good men, <laughs> there are good men who would say that this is speaking of the evil growth of the professing church. I understand that. I've actually taught that myself to some extent. But today, I, I want us to see that the, when he says the kingdom of heaven is like one thing, I believe that the leaven here does represent good, a good transformation, ultimately our transformation into Jesus Christ. That's how I'm going to take it. Do you know why? One, because other parables that do speak about evil, such as the parable of the wheat and the tares, you had the children of the kingdom and you had the children of the, of the devil. But you had good in that. And also at the end, there's the parable of the dragnet when they bring the fish to sea. There's good fish and there are bad fish. The good fish represent the children who are saved. The bad fish represent the ones who are lost. But there was good there. But here there's only one thing. It's just the leaven in the meal. So I don't believe with just one thing we should interpret it as evil. I don't see any parable that is just represents evil. Because he says the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven isn't just evil. <laughs> I believe there's a, a good end. And so this gets to what the kingdom of God is ultimately going to be, which is glorious. So I, I'm taking it in a positive way that God is building his kingdom and... The principle is there must be internal transformation. The leaven does surprise us, though. But I want to go to Leviticus chapter 23. And although leaven is often used, as I said, to speak of evil, Jesus did. Jesus talked about the beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. In other words, they're false doctrines. But here in Leviticus chapter 23... In the feasts, and this is specifically the Feast of Pentecost. And what was the fulfillment of the Feast of Pentecost? It was when the Holy Spirit came. To do what? To bring together Jew and Gentile and make one body, and that body would be changed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what the, the day of Pentecost ultimately pointed to. Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, the Holy Spirit was poured out and filled the believers. Now watch this. On the day of Pentecost, in Leviticus chapter 23, I'll read up verse 16. It says, Leviticus chapter 23, verse 16. You there with me? Even unto the morrow, after the seventh Sabbath, shall you number 50 days... That's the Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover. And ye shall offer a, a new meal offering unto the Lord. And you shall bring out of your habitations two wave loads of ten deals. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with what? Leaven. So on the day of Pentecost, they took two loaves and the priests waved those loaves. Leavened bread. 
And what did that represent? Ultimately, Jew and Gentile, the nations of the world, coming together to worship the Lord God who created us all. And it says they are the first fruits unto the Lord. So we see the day of Pentecost of all the feasts uses leavened bread. The other thing that's very interesting now, if you go back to our passage, is in Matthew 13, it says a woman. Now, that Jesus would bring a woman into this is very interesting. Because before the, the, the owner of the vineyard and the, the sower of the seed, they were, it was all males. So here we find, it says, a woman. And that's so interesting as in Bible days especially, women were considered as weak. Some even saw them as second-class citizens. But Jesus did not see women as weak, and, nor as second-class citizens. But Jesus sees them with a vital role in the ministry of the kingdom of God, a vital role in the family. Women are absolutely essential in society. And so it is proper that he speaks of a woman here. And by the way, who did Jesus first tell that he was alive? To a woman named Mary. And who first told the disciples that Jesus was alive? It was women who preached to the men on that day, those thick-headed men. All men need a, a sweet woman to tell them the truth and try to get through that thick head, right? No, I got more amens that, on that than I got for a long time. I don't know. <laughs> That's all right, ladies. That's good. And women ought to submit to their husbands, too. I think, oh, men, that was your chance. You blew it. You blew it. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'll just, yeah. Okay. But you know that, that the picture of a woman here, and I just mentioned the Feast of Pentecost and the church. What is the church? The church is the bride. And so here's the woman with the, with the bread, with the leavened bread. And in the kingdom of God, when the new Jerusalem comes out of heaven, the gates are named after who? The 12 tribes of Israel. And the foundations are named after the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And so in the eternal city, it's the coming, the kingdom of God is a coming together and a combination of national Israel and the church, Jew and Gentile of all the nations through all of time as one body worshiping the Lord and that great city that comes out of heaven, the Jew and the church is called the bride, the lamb's wife. So it's a woman who takes the leaven. The other surprising thing here is the three measures of meal. Now I'm sure you go to bed at night wondering what the three measures of meal represent. Some of us may wonder, some of us may wonder, is it the Trinity? Three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? It could be. I wouldn't go that far in my interpretation. You know what? It's surprising, though. Three measures of meal is an insane amount of dough, of flour, in order to put the leaven in and 
get that leaven to permeate throughout that amount of grain. You say, well, how much is it? It's about, now there is some difference as exactly what those biblical measurements are, and there's some difference of opinion, but there's no difference of opinion from anyone saying that three measures of meal is a very, very large amount, and in fact, it's the most, it's the largest amount that anyone could actually make into bread at one time. One place I read said that it could well have been up to 144 cups of flour. Can you imagine? You know, what, what do you do that when you press on it? Need 144 cups of flour. That would make 52 loaves of bread and 416 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Okay, so that, that's about what three measures of meal would do. 52 loaves of bread, 416 PB&Js or BLTs or whatever your favorite sandwich is. It's an insane amount. In other words, and what's the lesson? You individually and the world corporately, God is transforming to bring about his kingdom. And there's a whole lot of internal transformation that needs to take place in your life, my life, as well as in our church, as well as in the world to bring about this glorious kingdom that is coming. <laughs> the kingdom of Jesus Christ is coming to earth. So surprising things. By the way, three measures of meal. That's when Abraham, remember the angel visited Abraham and Sarah? Abraham goes, Sarah, Sarah, quick, quick. Get together three measures of meal. Hurry up, he told her. Hurry up. Imagine that crazy amount of, of meal. And Abraham's like telling Sarah, hurry up. He sound, Abraham sounds like me there. You know, hurry up, hurry up, let's go. <laughs> the missions team understands what I'm talking about. The rest of you don't. I'm always like, come on, hurry up, hurry up. <laughs> My middle name is Rush. <laughs> okay. The surprising metaphors. The second thing I want us to see is the transforming secret. Now go back to our text. When I say there's a secret for this meal being transformed so that the whole of it was leavened. And there's a word in the text. Because, let me ask you this question. Does the meal change itself? No. It has to have the leaven added to it and the leaven brings about the transformation. But what must the leaven, where must the leaven be placed for this transformation to take place? Matthew 13, it says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto leaven which a woman took and what? She hid. She hid. That's the secret to the transforming power of the leaven. The leaven must be hidden that means it must be fully mingled into, incorporated into, permeated into as the leaven is kneaded into the, to the, to the grain and it permeates the whole. The leaven is hidden in the meal. So now apply this to ourselves. We want to be changed. How? And I really ask myself, how, how are you going to be more like Jesus Christ? How am I going to be more like Jesus Christ? Do you want, don't you want to be like Jesus? I said earlier, I believe if you're a Christian in your heart, it's to see Jesus and to be like Christ. 
And we know when we see him, we'll be fully like him, but it would really help us a whole lot if we were a little bit more like him now, you know? It would really help us in our homes, on our jobs, in our relationships, in marriage, and with children, and with other church members. It would really be a blessing if we were a little bit more like Jesus now. I mean, that's, I'm talking about myself. I'm sure you're more like him than I, but we all need help, don't we? So the question is, where, what needs to be hidden in us for us to be transformed till the whole of us is leavened? What do we need to be transformed into Christ? Because we're a lump of meal that needs a transformation. We're pretty much a mess. Our understanding is darkened. Our walk is in the vanity of our mind. We naturally fulfill the lusts of the flesh and the desires of the flesh and mind. We naturally have deceitful lusts. We naturally are vain in our imaginations. Our foolish heart is often darkened. Our, our minds are often uh, obtuse to the things of God. Our hearts are hard to the things of God. And we profess ourselves to be so wise, but without God, we're what? We're fools. So we need, to, we need quite a bit of leavening <laughs> in the good sense. We need to be like Jesus. So as I thought about this, I thought of these verses. Look at these verses. See what they say. It says, God wants to renew us. He wants to transform us. What part of our being does he want to transform? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Romans 12, 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your Mind. mind. Oh, there it is again. Your mind. Point to your mind. What is the, what is the Lord? Where is this transformation going to begin? In your mind. Between, what's in between your two ears? It says 2 Corinthians 4, and, and it says the inward man is renewed day by day. So it's a process. While we look, we got to look at something, at the things which are not seen, the things which are seen are temporal, the things which are not seen are eternal. So there's a, there's a focus there, but God wants to transform our mind. This transformation does begin in our mind with how we think. So what, then I, I ask, well, what? Okay, so I, I want my mind to be renewed. What do I need to put in my mind? What do I need to hide in my mind in order to become more like Jesus Christ? What is that transforming power? That will cause me to be like Jesus and to have the love and the joy and the peace and the goodness and the gentleness of Jesus Christ to those around me and the patience of Jesus Christ. I, I, I need this in my life so much. I need Jesus. By the way, this word, be, you know where this word is? It's only used four times in the New Testament. You know where this is, word is used? It's used on the mount of transfiguration it's the same word when jesus was transfigured on that mountain think of that there's something that can do that god can hide into our mind that can transfigure us and change us from the inside we're talking from the inside out now so what is the spiritual good leaven that must permeate deeply into the grain of our being so that our whole mind, our whole life, our whole soul, spirit, and body, strength is transformed into Christ? I believe there's two powerful ways. And you know this, actually. 
The first is we need the Holy Spirit indwelling. And it says, the same, a similar word is used in Titus chapter 3, verse 5. It says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the what? Renewing, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Who will, who will renew you and make you like Jesus? You cannot do it on your own. Just like the grain cannot rise without the leaven, you cannot become like Jesus without who? The Holy Spirit. And so salvation begins this process. He that has begun a good work in you will what? He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So at the moment of salvation, and we're, we're given the life of the Holy Spirit to live and dwell in us, and the Holy Spirit in this dispensation dwells in the heart of every believer, never to leave us, never to forsake us. The Holy Spirit is to permeate. It says, what? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? What part of your body? <laughs> he is to have full control and to be filled with the Spirit is to have the Holy Spirit control my hands and control my eyes and control my ears and control my, my nose and my mouth and my feet and everything about me. The Holy Spirit begins that work at the moment of salvation and he does not discontinue that work until one day we see Jesus. Now the Lord is that Spirit as it was read today and where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. And that next verse, can you read it with me? And we're going to come back to this. Very important verse. Can you read it all with me? It says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. And that's not the whole verse. It says right at the end, Even by the Spirit of the Lord, I believe. Doesn't it? I don't think I had the whole verse there. So we need the Holy Spirit. That's, he is the first power we need to be hid in us, if you will. I'm using the language of our parable of the leaven. The second power that must be hid in us is the Word of God. And you know this. But it's the Word of God. We cannot do this apart from the Holy Spirit entering into us and then the Holy Spirit showing us Jesus Christ from the Word of God. You know what will change us when we read the Bible? Here's what changes us when we go to the Scripture and we're not just reading black words on a page, on a white page. We're reading and then the Holy Spirit is making this alive to us because the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And so the Word of God comes alive and then we, we see Jesus or we come under conviction of a sin or we realize there's something I need to change in my life. But the word of God, and, and to think about how this woman, she took the leaven and she hid it. And I thought that's very biblical language when it comes to the Bible. Thy word have I done. What? Have I hid in my heart? And praise God for the young people and the others who are up here today who have hid the word of God in their heart, quoting Psalm 34. That was very beautiful. I like that, by the way, each one doing a verse. That was very good. That was your idea, Jacob? Did you think of that? Whose idea was that? 
Pastor Carmine? Oh, that's a good idea. Thank you, Pastor Carmine. I thought you said it was Jacob's. You know, oh, oh, you Jacob worked it out. Yeah, yeah, okay. Good job. Everyone did a good job. Okay. So here's a great verse. Can you read this with me? Can you see it? If you see it, it's First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Paul says to the church of Thessalonica, For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Effectually means powerfully, energetically. The word of God is alive. And it, the word of God will work in us. To work in us to be, become who? Become like who? Jesus Christ. Listen. You cannot become like Jesus Christ apart from the power of the Holy Spirit and apart from the power of the Word of God. So why aren't you reading the Bible and asking, Holy Spirit, teach me. Teach me. Speak to me. George Mueller, the great man of prayer, great missionary in Bristol, England, who had so many prayers answered, his life verse was from the psalm where it says, Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. And so we must go to the Lord with open heart and open mouth and say, Lord, hide your word in my heart. Make me more like Jesus Christ. Now go to 2 Corinthians, please. And I just want us to sit on that verse for a moment because this passage was read today. And it really gets to the heart of our inner transformation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, And it says, we're changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Holy Spirit kind of bookends these two verses, 17 and 18. Do you see that? Now the Lord is that Spirit, verse 17, and then at the end, as by the Spirit of the Lord. And, and in the middle, it says we're changed. In verse 18, it says that we're changed into the same image. And this change comes by the Holy Spirit, but it comes, it says in verse 18, that with an open face or with a face that's unveiled, that's open to the Lord to speak to us with an open face, beholding as in a glass. And the word, if you look it up, it's really the word mirror. So when you look into the Bible, you're looking into the mirror of God's word. You will see yourself as you will never see yourself. You will see yourself in Peter. You will see yourself in Elijah. And sometimes they're triumphs and sometimes they're trials and sometimes they're failures. And, and God will speak to your heart. As we look into the glass, you see yourself, but then you see God as he truly is. In this passage of scripture, Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit, with the word of God, transforms us into the image of Jesus Christ. The New Testament ministry is transformational. He talks about Moses here. When Moses went up on the mountain, what did Moses have to do when he came down the mountain? He had to cover his face because his face so shone. What's Paul's point here? Three times he says in the passage, if Moses, if there was glory in the Old Testament that causes Moses' face to shine, how much more is there glory in the New Testament with the coming of Jesus Christ? That's his point. How much more? He says in verse number 9, how much more is the ministration of righteousness exceeds in glory? Verse 11, much more. 
they which remain is glorious. He's talking about, he's comparing the new covenant to the old covenant. And how much more is the new covenant ministry transforming? Because what's his point as well? His point is this. That only Moses experienced this transformation in the Old Testament. Only Moses, one man, went up to that mountain and came off the mountain shining. Only one man experienced that. But in the New Testament, every believer, every believer, man and woman and boy and girl and old and young. <laughs> I can point to myself all day. No, I'm not old yet. Getting there. We all have the privilege of going into God's presence, entering into the throne room of His grace, entering into the Holy of Holies because the blood of Christ has been shed and the veil has been rent in two. And we can go into that holy place and we can meet God and we can look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And when we see Him, we can become more like Him, transformed from the inside out into His image. This is our desire. And lastly, we see the triumphant end of God's kingdom. So we saw three surprising metaphors. The leaven, the woman, the three measures of meal. We see the transforming secret when the Holy Spirit and the Word of God are hidden us. And lastly, the triumphant end. Go to Jeremiah chapter 31, please, here. And if you're taking notes, the blank there is that the leaven works slowly and gradually, but strongly and permanently until the work is complete. I love how at the end of this parable, Jesus says, till the whole was leavened. That's very hopeful because someday your whole being, you will be leavened and you will shine. We read it this morning in Daniel chapter 12. And we read it in the, one of the parables earlier. We're going to shine the, the glory of Jesus Christ when we see him. We will shine like Jesus himself in heaven. We will shine like the stars in heaven as his children. That's the triumphant end of each of us individually. And then he puts us together into a corporate nation, into a kingdom. And there's a coming kingdom that's going to... It says the, the earth will be full of his glory during his coming kingdom. And this change happens, as I said, from the inside out. The ultimate goal of God's kingdom is not just an outward obedience to rules or doing rituals or external standards, but it's an inward transformation of us into the image of Jesus Christ. And as I said earlier, a lot of work needs to be done between now and that time. But look at Jeremiah chapter 31. For those of you who don't have a Bible, I do have the verses up here, but I always like for you to find it in your own Bible. In Jeremiah 31, this is the only place in the Old Testament where we see the, new, the phrase, a new covenant. And it's the Lord himself who established this new covenant at the breaking of bread, at the Last Supper. And in verse 31, we read this, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. This covenant is with national Israel, but guess what? All Gentiles, we're invited. <laughs> because Jesus is the Savior of the, of the world. But notice what he says here. And this, is, this gets to the point of the leaven being hid, and then the whole of the, 
the meal is leavened or is transformed from the inside out. And watch, this is New Testament ministry. It's so beautiful. Verse 33 and 34, it says, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After these days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their what? Inward parts. I will hide my law, the word of God, and I will write it in their hearts. I will hide my word in their hearts and will be, and will, uh, be their God and they shall be my people. You see that inner transformation. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord. Why? <laughs> Everybody will know the Lord in the coming kingdom. This is the end result. This is the triumphant end I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the triumph of the kingdom of Jesus Christ when he comes back and establishes kingdom on earth. He says, and they won't teach every man his neighbor, every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. I read the story of John Wesley. Wesley, of course, was a great preacher in England in the 1700s, uh, 1600s, I believe. He was riding his horse and singing a hymn, and a robber came up to him and said, your money or your life. So Wesley emptied his pockets, and out came a few coins. And then he invited the robber, go through all my bags on, on my horse. I, he didn't have any more money, it was just filled with books. And the robber was disappointed and turned away, and he was gonna leave Wesley, but Wesley said, wait, before you go, I have something to give you. And the robber turned around and Wesley said, my friend, you may live to regret the sort of life you're living right now. And if you ever do, remember this, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And the robber, turned away quickly and hurried out into the, into the night. And the man of God, Wesley, went on his way praying for that man. And years later, Wesley was preaching and a man came up to Wesley after the service and guess who it was? It was that same gentleman. He was now a wealthy businessman. But better than that, he was now a child of God. And that man told Wesley, the words spoken that night led to his salvation. And he took Wesley's hand and he kissed his hand affectionately. And with deep emotion, he says, to you, dear sir, I owe it all. And Wesley said, no, no, you owe nothing to me, but to the precious blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses you from all sin. Maybe you're living a life right now that you'll live to regret. If you are, remember those words today. The blood of Jesus Christ will forgive you. And then he can forgive you and he can put his spirit in your heart. And he can change you through the power of his spirit and through the power of his word. Let God begin that work if you're not saved here today. Let the Lord begin that work in you today. Let's stand together as we close. Help us, Lord. Let's pray with every head bowed and our eyes closed. I want you to really ponder this matter of being transformed into the image 
of Jesus Christ, being conformed to his image, being transfigured so that with the Holy Spirit in you and the word of God hid in you, you're becoming more like Christ. Not just doing things outwardly, but showing the, the love of Christ from your heart. Showing the peace of Jesus Christ in your life. The patience, the joy, the faithfulness, the meekness, the long-suffering. Are you experiencing the transforming power of Jesus Christ? Are you in His Word? Are you abiding in Christ? Or are you grieving the Spirit? Are you living and speaking and doing things that are quenching the Spirit and causing you great guilt and shame? How many say, Pastor Matt, today, there are things in my life that are hindering my growth into the image of Jesus Christ. I've not been reading the Bible. I have been grieving the Holy Spirit. And I ask God to cleanse me now and to give me a heart, as it says even here, that He would give us a new heart and put His Word in my inward being and write His Word in my heart that I would love Him. How many say, Pastor Matt, pray for me. I need to experience more of this transforming power of Jesus Christ. And I've been hindering that work of God. Just put your hand up and, and then pray where you, what you need to pray over. And you can put your hands down. How many say, Pastor Matt, I'm here today. I'm not a Christian. I want God to begin this work in me because I want to be like Jesus Christ. You know, that's what Christianity is. Christianity isn't ultimately about rules and regulations and external things. Christianity is about Christ in you, the hope of glory and becoming more like Jesus in your daily walk in life. Christianity is about the life of God in your soul. Hallelujah. How many say, Pastor Matt, I'm not saved, but today I need this life of God in my soul. I need the new birth. I need Jesus to come into my heart and save me from my sins. Is there anyone? Can I see your hand? And last question. I'm going to ask one last question. And it's just simply this, is your desire to be conformed to Christ and to have the image of Jesus more upon your life, dear, dear Christian. And if that's your desire, just put your hand up and that should be all of God's people's desire. Just put your hand up and say, yes, Lord, make me more like you. Fill me with your spirit and give me a hunger and thirst for your righteousness and your word. In Jesus' name, amen.